You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC, and I hope all you out there are doing well. And joining me on this episode is former Mississippi State quarterback and current Mississippi State analyst, Matt Wyatt. You can also find Matt on his show, The Matt Wyatt Show. Matt covered Dan Mullen's tenure at Mississippi State and covers the SEC as well, so it can bring a great perspective on what Gator fans have been seeing these last couple years under Dan Mullen. So, Matt, thanks so much for hopping on Gators Breakdown. Man, my pleasure. Always good to talk to you, David. It feels like, you know, talking to you feels like football, you know? <laughs> and dad gum, I need some of that. I need some football. <laughs> I think I think we all do for sure. It's uh, strenuous times right now, and uh, I think yeah. everybody everybody wants a, a little relief. We can't, uh, of course, can't ignore what's going on. We'll get into it a little bit, but uh, Matt, I hope all's going well for you. Yeah, it is. It's um, you know clicking along at, as um, you know most people can imagine. It's crazy how sports radio works and podcasting and everything, um, and that's the way I make a good portion of my living. We just never seem to you know, come up short on topics. There's just, <laughs> you know, we, we always have something to talk about, especially in this part of the country. And we, um, even when we don't have spring, we don't have practice in the middle of this coronavirus stuff. There's still something every day, which is fun. You know, so doing radio in SEC country is fun. Uh, a lot of the video uh, work and production work has slowed down, mm-hmm. um, as you would imagine. And, you know, we're kind of hoping to keep that afloat. But Overall, look, the, the most important thing, we're healthy. I'm healthy. My wife's healthy. My daughter's healthy. And I hope, hope you are too. Hope all the loved ones are doing well. Yeah, uh, got some, hopefully, couple two or three days. In a couple of days, I'll get uh, some more clearance on, on, on an issue uh, out there right now with, some, with a family member. So hopefully uh, in the next couple of days, uh, we'll, hopefully I'll be feeling a little bit better <laughs> about that than, than what I'm feeling now. But uh, sure. we'll, we'll see. Hopefully... Hopefully uh, all is good uh, on that front in a, in a, in a couple of days. So yeah. uh, coming up on this episode, Matt, you know, we'll get into Dan Mullen's first couple of years uh, at, uh, at Florida, uh, even some of the staff members uh, that are under Dan Mullen, what's going on with the coronavirus in the SEC, and, and also get your look at uh, uh, around the SEC uh, and, and, you know, Florida chasing Georgia in the East and, and all the storylines out, out there in the West too. And definitely cannot forget, we'll definitely get into it, I think uh, you have your hands full with two coaches out there in Mississippi. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, it was like you, you talk about like the buzz just coming to a complete halt um, after the hiring of those two coaches. We were so sitting on pins and needles, could not wait for spring practice to begin, could not wait to start covering it, and then, you know, sp- certainly to watch them play. Um, so that, I mean, it's just. 
it's gone quiet compared to what it was. But after they hired Kiffin up at Ole Miss and then hired Leach here, um, and and still, I mean, we're going to get football back at some point. So yeah, what everybody in this state, like you're walking around, you know, and everybody's in the grocery store looking for toilet paper, and they bump into you and they go, "Hey, it's going to be interesting one way or the other." Isn't it? And you're like, "Oh yeah, it's going to be interesting one way or the other." All right, so we'll get into it. But before we do, remember you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. There you'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes as well as News for Jacks coverage of the Gators and Jacksonville sports. If you missed past episodes, you can find them all there at news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown and all the popular podcast platforms out there. Please share, rate, and review the show and on social media. Follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. So let's start this conversation with Matt. And Matt, what are your thoughts on Mullen in his first two seasons at Florida? Come, come, come from, you know, the Mississippi State, come, come from mm-hmm. there. Most, most Gator fans would have been happy with uh, an eight-year uh, or an eight-win season his first year. Uh, gets to ten wins, a New Year's six Peach Bowl win, and year two does even better with 11 wins and an Orange Bowl victory. Matt, Dan was my top choice when Florida was looking for a coach a couple years ago, but never did I imagine 10 wins, 11 wins in his first two years. No, I'm not surprised one bit uh, at all. I'm not surprised by the idea that he would go in there and win 10 games or more so, let's put it this way, David, not surprised one bit that he would come in there and exceed expectations. Um, that's what he did when he took over at State. He exceeded expectations in year two at state. See, here's the thing about it. Okay. I, I'm, I'm so old now that I've got this long historical perspective, right, David, <laughs> you know, I'm not looking at just the last few years people forget. And I've tried to, re- and I know I reminded you and others whenever the hiring was happening, people forget what it was that Dan took over at state. It was, bottom rung of the SEC. It was at the bottom in everything, in roster, in support, facilities. He took he took the keys to a lemon. Okay, that's what he took over. And in year two, he won nine games at state and ran Michigan out of the Gator Bowl, just ran them out of there, put up 50-something points on them, and that was in year two. You know, and, and then the next thing you know, he what? He, when he finished his career at State, they had what? Was it eight or nine straight bowl trips? Uh, had been the number one in the country. Dak Prescott, all these first-round picks and all this stuff. He elevated the entire program. Again, historical long perspective. This is why I'm, I'm saying this to show you why I'm not surprised at all what he's done at Florida. Um, when he took over State, it was at the bottom in everything. And literally, when he handed the keys over to, to Joe Moorhead, he handed him a roster that was the top half of the SEC. And the draft picks prove it. Okay, that's not just semantics. He handed him a program that was in the top half of the F- SEC in terms of consistent support, selling out the stadium every week after having built onto the stadium. And facilities, and again, some people that haven't been to state and seen the facilities might go, really? People who've been there, SEC Network people, TV, everybody, they'll tell you, facilities there are in the top half of the SEC. Um, It's incredible what he did. So for him to go to Florida, 
a place with a higher, bigger, broader recruiting profile, recent national championships. He's been there before, knows the lay of the land. It's nothing, nothing there was strange for him. I am not surprised one bit that he won more games than people thought he would at all. And i tell you this, David, you remember when he was hired, one of the things I told you was, hey, look, you will see a difference in your team from a strength and conditioning standpoint right away, like the first spring. And that happened, didn't it? Oh, yeah. I and, mean, so and, and Matt, not surprised. Yeah, and just to extend on that part, some people, you know, Especially this time of year in spring. You look, if spring was normal <laughs> this time right now, if we were, yeah. if we were, you know, a couple of weeks ago heading into spring practice, you know, you, you you see pictures. You always hear about okay, strength and conditioning, strength and conditioning. Every team kind of touts that this time of year. But where Florida came from with Jim McElwain, and you had players working out on their own at a gym in the city because that was they didn't feel they were getting quality strength and conditioning from from the staff to what Nick Savage has brought with Dan Mullen as part of the strength and conditioning program. Gator fans saw how bad it could be and now see how good it could be. You know, you take that correlation there, you know, to me, you can't make too much of strength and conditioning, especially where you saw where Florida come from. You, you're exactly right, David. You, you worded it perfectly. You can't make too much of it. You cannot overstate the importance of it. It is your program. Listen, and, and schools, there have been a lot of schools and, and that at times have had a hard time with the high-profile prospects, all the fours and fives, because you recruit them and then you get them to school and then all of a sudden they don't want to go through all that because, hey, man, I'm a five-star. I'm already good. I'm going to the NFL in three years. No, you're starting over when you get to college. They don't understand that. So you've seen schools that can recruit at a very high profile, Michigan, USC, you know, at times LSU in the past, they can get all the four and fives they want, but why are they underachieving? Well, it's because they can't get them to buy into the importance of the strength and conditioning program. Listen, you you know, if you go out, you sign enough fours and fives, you can go win six, seven games and not even be that great, right? I mean, Jim McElwain had those Florida teams in the SEC title game how many years, right? Yeah. But to overachieve and to start, you know, hitting your head on the ceiling of your potential, um, it ha- it doesn't happen in fall practice. You don't make that jump as a team in spring practice. You make that jump in the weight room. And that's one thing that Dan knows. He makes no bo- bones about it. At State, he used to recruit this way. He'd go and even high-profile prospect or not, he'd say, hey, look, a lot of these coaches are coming in here buttering you up and telling you how great you're going to be. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you come play for us, it's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. Our players go through, I mean, it, it's not quite Navy SEAL training, but it's pretty close. Don't do it. You know, we're not drowning them, but it's pretty close. It's going to be the hardest thing you've ever done. Some people are going to leave and quit because it's that hard. But if you make it through it and you fight through it when you hit the wall, you're going to be twice the player you think you can be. And so for him to – I knew he was going to instill that. It is all the difference. And guess what? You talk about – see, it's been the flip-flop here at Mississippi State. Y'all went from strength and conditioning under McElwain to under Savage and Mullen. You've seen before. You see the difference. We just did the opposite. We went from what it was supposed to be like under Mullen, we could see it on the field, to what it ain't supposed to be like the last two years. And thankfully here, we're thankful that Mike Leach, an experienced coach, came in and state's players just went through the hardest, you know, off-season strength and conditioning program they may have ever been through, 
And then, you know, now they're not there. You kind of lose all that uh, unforeseen circumstances. But, yeah, it's important. You kind of alluded to my next point, and maybe that's your answer there. We we saw what happened when Moorhead come in and, and the two years that he was at the helm, uh, what Florida was doing under Dan Mullen. What did Mississippi State miss the most from Mullen these last two years as compared to what Joe Moorhead was doing on the field? Yeah, I think I sort of did answer it ahead of time, <laughs> didn't I? Um, no question. No question. The number one thing on the list that they missed in the, in the changeover was the emphasis on the um, – not just – I mean, look, every Division One program, SEC program, puts an emphasis on lifting weight. State's got a big facility. They had a whole full staff. But um, they – from the top down, the emphasis on development in the weight room wasn't quite the same as it was when Mullen was there, and it made a huge difference. I'll give you, for example, the first game of the season this year – for Mississippi State, it was in the uh, the Superdome in New Orleans against ULL. State won the game, but it was much closer than it should have been, and it ended up like I think the final score was like thirty to twenty. Well, that was because ULL handily won the fourth quarter. They went up and down the field on State in a fourth. They had almost like two hundred yards of offense in the fourth quarter. Okay, so State was just basically in total control of the game because they were so much better in terms of better players for the first three quarters. But then they gave out. And you could look at some of State's players and tell physically, well, they, they, they're not in that great of shape. And it showed they consistently lost the fourth quarter. You, you never saw that under Mullen when he was here. Yeah, we, we've noticed the strong ending to games uh, plenty of times uh, since he's been here. So mm-hmm. if we go back to, to last year a little bit and, and focus on that, a lot of it was because we were going into, look, heck, a year ago and going into last season, hey, Mullen has retooled Felipe Franks and made him one of the you know, top-tier SEC quarterbacks. Not up there with Fromm, not up there with Tua, uh, ended up not being up there with Burrow either. But then that, that was the storyline going into the season. Franks goes down, and in comes a, a quarterback who had yet to start a game since he was a middle schooler. And Kyle Trask comes in, leads Florida to a come-behind victory at Kentucky, and, and writes you know record books and, and, and stats galore uh, for the rest of the season. Were you surprised at Mullen being able to you know, not necessarily take a, a quarterback typically that he likes to go win with, uh, you know, a Tebow, a Prescott, a, a, a true dual threat. Were you surprised that you, you weren't surprised in the, at least the results the first two years, but were you maybe surprised how the results happened? You know, maybe so because it wasn't a thing where they went and decided on Trask in the preseason. It's not like he went and won the job, right? He's – He's basically thrust into playing in the middle of the year because of an injury. Don't I have that correct? Yep. Um, and how many games into the season was it? That would have been the fourth game. Okay, so, yep. I mean, pretty early. Yep. But, you know, so I think that's the surprising thing to me. When I think back to Mullen's time at State, Maybe never in third ran. game. Yeah, maybe in third, third game. game. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But still, it's very early. Yeah, yeah. And, and we never ran up on that here a situation where a quarterback was knocked out completely because of injury. Uh, in 2012 here, there was a similar situation when Tyler Russell was mm-hmm. the starter and, and Dak Prescott was the backup. And uh, early in the year, Tyler got a concussion. So he had to miss a little time and Dak, but Dak was already playing in every game anyway. So it was different. 
this was a different situation for y'all. So that would be the only surprising thing. But I've said this before. I, I don't back off of it. Um, I, I don't say it just to have an effect. It's really true. Um, the two best quarterback coaches in the country are Dan Mullen and Mike Leach. <laughs> um, there's just there's no metric. There's no sign that you can point to that would actually tell you otherwise. Okay. So with that said, I'm not surprised that he found a way to move the ball with Trask and not just move the ball, but improve him every week, find things that he could do. What's he confident in doing? Let's go exploit that. Mullen is the best, I think, at figuring out what is it that a guy can do? What are the things that we don't need to do with him? Let's just eliminate it. And by the time he runs you out there on the field as a quarterback, I don't care what your background in or what is or what your talent set is. By the time Mullen puts you on the field, he's gotten you worked up into a mentality where, number one, you are totally confident in the things he's going to ask you to do. He knows you can do it with one hand behind your back, and you know it too. It's just like if I were to go back to year one for Mullen at Florida in that Mississippi State game, David, how many times did they throw that smoke screen? <laughs> Especially like in the second half when the game was close, right? Yep. Well, I mean, and, and then throw a five-yard hitch. How many times did they throw a five-yard hitch, three-step drop route, or a slant? Well, you can see it over and over. And there's Moorhead and State on the other side trying to do all this stuff that it's obvious his players aren't comfortable doing. Everybody's confused. And here's Mullen over here running like the same three plays over and over and over again till you're sick of it. And man, Franks is just, he's going catch the ball one step. It's a three-step route. I throw the hitch. I line back up and do it. He could throw with that big arm of his, he could complete a hitch anytime he wants to. So he just gets you in a position where He's never going to ask you to do something that's outside of your ability or your confidence level. And he really hones in on that. He's super smart. The difference with Leach is Leach is the best in the country at taking just about anybody and making them run his offense. Mm. <laughs> you know, Dan's not that way. I mean, you look at what Dan did in that year, his second year at state when he had Chris Ralph, a big six, four, 235 pound, great runner and by the end of the year the kids throwing for 250 240 yards um a game it, it was incredible and before that before mullen got here ralph looked like he, he was playing the wrong position um and then he's coaching tyler russell throwing a ball in four and five wides then he goes to dak prescott and we're a zone read team and dak's running for a thousand yards you know he's the best in the country at figuring out what can this guy do and we're going to go out here and have it confident by the time we run out on the field. Yeah, you know, we'll see it too. I mean, Franks, Trask, different type of quarterbacks. Emory Jones sitting there, the, the, the dual threat quarterback uh, waiting in the wings. So we'll uh -huh. see. We'll, we'll get to see it all in just a few year period of him working with these different type of quarterbacks. And I wouldn't be surprised, David, that someday when we're old guys and Mullen has retired and he writes a book, you know, that he puts in the book that he intentionally would cycle through in recruiting different styles of quarterbacks, knowing that if you're going to win consistently in the SEC, you got to change it up on your opponents every now and then. Ah. You know, yeah. 
file that one away. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, never never really thought about it that way. Um, go to the other side of the ball. Uh, you guys there at Mississippi State only had Todd Grantham for one year. Uh, yeah. and, and then the last couple of years, Gator fans, uh, a little ire here with the whole third and Grantham moniker that he brought with him <laughs> for his previous time. It, it didn't seem like much of an issue back in 2017 uh, there at Mississippi State, uh, right. but it has been an issue at Florida dis- d- despite a great pass rush that he's had uh, with this Gator defensive front. You know, in the biggest games, you know, the defense can shoulder a lot of the blame, too, uh, for, mm-hmm. for why they you know, go back to the Georgia game last year, not being able to stop Georgia on, on third down. But, you know, they, they, Georgia still only scored 24 points. You, you'd think your offense could muster up 24, 27 points around there, too. So blame goes around both sides. And then the LSU game just, you know, and, and they're really, you know, can't. Can't blame Grantham too too much because that offense was running rough shot over everybody out there. But still, yeah. you could you couldn't get LSU off the field at all uh, mm-hmm. in, in that game. So thoughts on Grantham and you know the, he's been around Mullen for three years. They seem to get along very well. Uh, but that third Grantham moniker has kind of reared its head again here in Gainesville. Yeah, and unfortunately, David, um, it did actually pop up in a very big ball game in a huge situation back in 2017. If you want it, since you've got some time on your hands, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, these, this uh, time of uh, th- this time in our lives, we got plenty of time to go watch stuff on YouTube. Go look at the 2017 Alabama game. Mm, yep. That's the one that did come to mind. Yeah. State was state was beating Alabama and State was actually the more physical team throughout that ball game back in 2017. Alabama was beaten up at linebacker. Man, Mullen was picking on the poor third-string linebacker that Alabama had in there. <laughs> Alabama tried about three different players in there at middle linebacker, including a guy who was a baseball player. They tried everything. State just ran it right at him and just ate him up all night long. And State had the lead. You know, you get in the fourth quarter, and there was a huge situation on it was – either a third or maybe even a fourth down play where um, they had gotten to the quarterback all night long. They had hit Jalen Hurts all night long on third down, and this time he beat them because there was a blitz. They had one-on-one against a corner. He threw a slant route, caught it with some room, and those Alabama receivers, they outran everybody, and the whole stadium was going, oh, my gosh, why? (laughs) Why were we – you know, going after the quarterback wholesale and but giving the receiver out there such a big cushion, this key third down play, and it's basically what cost you the game. So it did pop up. <laughs> and I just think this, look, um, when, you know, Todd comes in and he makes no bones about it, fast and physical. That's what we want. We want fast and physical. We want you to play that way. I want you to think that way. We're never going to have a situation where we fault you as a player for going 100 miles an hour. Well, coach, I screwed up. I went in the wrong gap. Did you go as fast as you could? Yeah. Well, I'm okay with it. Mm. Fast and physical. Okay, now we're, they're, they're not going to put up with mistakes. They want yeah. you to do it right. But the point is, the number one thing is to play fast and physical. And if that's your identity and that's the thing you're preaching, it's the way you're practicing, you're instilling it, so that you're hyper-aggressive, you get to the quarterback, you cause them a lot of mistakes, then how do you pull back on that in a key third down? 
And, Matt, that, and that's what it is. But before you go even further, you know, Florida's had no problem getting to the quarterback except the Georgia game the last two years and LSU mm-hmm. this past two years. You know, the, the, the opponents that are maybe equal or a little you know, less below Florida have no problem. You know, they have 49 sacks this year, 18 yeah. against FSU and Miami combined, but didn't have any versus Georgia or any versus LSU. That is a little hard to figure out because, you know, in the one year at State, man, they, like you say, I mean, the better teams, State got after them. State got after LSU that year. They really got after Alabama. Uh, so I don't know. I tell you this, too. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think it uh, – I don't think everything on defense goes back to, to Mullen, but Mullen's a head coach. And I, I talked about this recently uh, on my radio show, David. There um, was one thing about Mullen after his time at State that was left unchecked. There was just one thing that box out here for a head coach that hadn't been checked yet. And it's a tough one. Uh, most guys never check it. But it is – how consistently do your teams beat teams that have better players than you have? Yeah. And at state, you were always up against that in the sec West, right? I mean, if you're at state in that time, as he's building the program, uh, every year, Alabama had better players. Most years, Auburn and LSU had better players than you. And in some years, even Ole Miss had better players than you. So how do you consistently, because in all those years, in nine years of success and all those postseason trips, the one thing that was constant, Dan's teams didn't go out and Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson. They didn't do it. His teams didn't go out there and do what Chad Kelly and Hugh Freeze did, and that's go to Tuscaloosa and David goes, I mean, throws the rock and hits Goliath. His teams didn't do that. They were super consistent. They always beat the teams they were supposed to. But very seldom did they beat a team who had better players than them. And I said, you know, if he goes to Florida, he's going to have to do that because that's Georgia. If you look at how Georgia recruits. Now, Florida's recruiting well, and they're going to recruit better. Their profile's just going up, sure. But, man, they're still chasing Georgia. You look at what Georgia's stockpiling. And if I look at the last two years, David, help me out on this. So if we were to go last year, year two for Mullen, who are the teams on the schedule that had better players than Florida overall? Well, it was Georgia. Nope. Who else? Did Auburn have? No. No, about even probably. About even and what? Yep. LSU just maybe maybe a hair ahead. LSU maybe a hair ahead because of their quarterback probably. Yeah. Right? But so there you go. I mean – you look at the schedule last year, the teams where Dan's got the better player, he's going to beat you. <laughs> but to this point, you know, who are the teams that have got the better players? Well, it's Georgia and LSU. What about year one for him? Okay, so you had the loss to Kentucky. Yep. And here's the thing about it. That's year one for Dan at Florida. We know what he's doing. And, and, game, number, and game number two. Game number two. And frankly, Kentucky was pretty doggone loaded. <laughs> yeah. You know, we don't want to give them credit because they're Kentucky, but they had a first-round defensive end, a big-time running back, an outstanding offensive line, and, and a very athletic quarterback, right? So I just think that we're – I think he's going to do it. I, I believe Dan's going to do it. Look, and, and I'll say this, 
Dan and his bunch, they he's a better coach than these other guys he's coaching against. You know, LSU have may have better players. Who you want coaching your players? Dan Mullen or Ed Orgeron? I know Orgeron's got a national title. I want Dan Mullen coaching my players. Who's a better coach? Dan Mullen or Kirby Smart? Well, doggone, I think it's Dan Mullen. We can differ on that. Anybody can. I think it's Dan Mullen. But to this point, he I think he's still chasing down the uh, whipping a team into shape where, hey, they may have better players and more stars than us, but we're still going to find a way to beat them. He's still got to check that box. Yeah, and the, 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 the gap on the field, you know, recruiting still says Georgia's got a gap over Florida, but, you know, those have been close, close games uh, the, the last couple of years. So, and, and, and going no into doubt. year three, and going into year three, Matt, you kind of, kind of just looking at schedule here too a little bit. Georgia has to play Alabama and they have to play Auburn coming up this year. Okay. Florida gets a little bit of a break. They get Ole Miss, but they stuff, of course, get their permanent crossover in LSU. So mm. you look at Florida's schedule and it's Georgia and it's going to be LSU again on the schedule of the, the, their make or break season, but you may get some help with Georgia having to play Alabama and Auburn. And uh, that's right. Okay. So let's just say, what if Georgia loses to Alabama, you know, put a loss on their schedule that they haven't had, right? Yep. Right. And, um, you know, I'm looking at Auburn. I, I agree with the idea that one of the quarterbacks in the league who is most hurt if we lose spring practice altogether is Bo Nix. Mm. He needed it. Um, but still, we'll see. It's always competitive, and I don't know where that game's played. So, for Florida, you got LSU, and you play them in Gainesville? It's huge. And two years ago, you beat him in Gainesville with Joe Burrow. Um, Brady's gone from LSU. Yeah, right. How many guys did they have leave early? I mean, right. it's, a, it's an unbelievable number. Yeah, if you just and, go back to the Florida game, Clyde Edwards-Alaire kind of just burst onto the scene in the in the game against the Gators last year. So, Well, man, you're and, playing an entirely different right. LSU team. And an and, entirely different Georgia offense. And until we – that's right. Yeah, with with a new quarterback yeah. in Georgia and Newman who and he's also and, and new coordinator. So Georgia is also with the coordinator quarterback a group that they needed spring practice badly. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you're playing a if you before we see LSU take a snap and they just won a national title, but playing in Gainesville right now before we see a single practice or anything, I'd think Florida would win that game uh, against LSU this year. Yeah, Matt, I saw something somewhere in Vegas. The only game Florida's an underdog in is the Georgia game. That's it. The Georgia game. And, yeah. and you know, neutral site deal. They've yeah. been close. Georgia new quarterback. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's lining up. This season needs to happen for Gator fans. <laughs> this is – hey, it's uh, – you, know, you hate to say it and put pressure on them like that, but it's it's on the platter. It's yeah. time to it's time to go eat, boys. We look. I can put the food on the plate for you, but you're gonna have to eat it. You right. know, and that's that's kind of what the schedule makers are saying right, right now. And kind of to summarize the Florida side of things right here, before we get into some other topics, before I let you go, we kind of just hit on it. Does talking about Georgia and talking about LSU like this and and like we are. The spring, the way it's kind of turning out now where we'll either have no spring, an abbreviated spring, or or tack two weeks on to the fall, how, however it works. 
Do you think it benefits a staff like Mullen and, and, and the guys that he's had for so long that have been with him? There's so much familiarity there with him and the players that if you have to miss the spring and you compare what's going on at other places in the SEC and FSU as well in your own state, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Florida's lines up pretty good there. Yes, it does. Um, and again, I just I have so much confidence in Dan to put the team together. Uh, you know, and, and as long as he's got the same number of practices as everybody else, I just have confidence in him to put the team together. He's highly intelligent, highly competitive. He's thinking ahead. He's not a guy who, you know, ever uh, allows a competition to kind of get out in front of him. Um, he's going to do the right thing. So I think it does. You're right. So the staff's in place. There's continuity. There's not going to be a whole lot of change there. You get players back, key players, you know, uh, back who will be touching the football. And you look at your competition. So I think, yeah, abbreviated spring, moving around, you know, Florida's in a good position. Um, As you look at some of the other teams who are in a pretty good position from that standpoint, um, you know, there are a few, you know, people have looked at state and gone, well, you know, state – New offense, new coach, new system, and bringing in a transfer quarterback. Mississippi State really needed spring. Here's the thing they're not thinking about for State, though, David, is Costello was still finishing up at Stanford. He wasn't going to be there for spring anyway. Yeah. Right? right. He, and they were, on, they were on the quarter system. So the fact that all this got pushed back, if they have, like, uh, you know, OTAs to mm-hmm. replace spring practice in the summer, now State's going to have their quarterback there. So it actually may have worked out in their favor um, of course, LSU, Brennan, if he's expected to be their quarterback, he's been there forever. Right. Um, but, you know, what's their offense going to look like without Brady being in the mix there yeah. in the past game? So I think, you know, you've kind of talking me into it. Um, new coach at Missouri, uh, some new quarterbacks, got a brand new quarterback trying to break in at Alabama. Well, I say brand new. That's not true. Played a bunch last year, but first time starter. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Florida's in a, no, no pressure, Dan, y'all in a pretty good position. (laughs) Uh, Talk about this too, kind of going there and bringing the Mississippi state side back to this, you know, going from Moorhead to Leach, you mentioned that a couple of times now should, or maybe you you even know if this has happened or not, should Leach reach out to Mullen about the expectations and the culture there in Starkville? Yes, he should. No doubt. If he gets the opportunity, I would be surprised if he maybe hasn't already because, let's be honest, because of the cockamamie scheduling format in the SEC, the two schools don't play each other again <laughs> until, like, you know, uh, until my daughter will be graduating from high school. She's eight right now. And that is not even an exaggeration. No, Think it's, about it's ridiculous. I don't like it either. My daughter, in her lifetime, she was born in 2011, in her lifetime, when she by the time she graduates high school, in her lifetime, Florida will have played in Starkville once. State will have played in Gainesville once. Yeah. It is asinine. But anyway, you didn't want me to get into that. <laughs> yes, he should call him because what's there to lose? And I think it may be downplayed. I think there's a little bit of history there between them. You know, they know each other. Um, a lot of respect I do know, there. Yeah, and, and I do know Mullen reached out on Frank's behalf, Felipe Frank's okay. behalf, when Frank's was looking for a school and Sleet was just still at Washington State. 
yeah. of maybe picking his brain for that. Well, because Dan knows that uh, Franks would fit that system like great. Yeah. Uh, the way they throw the football and how they throw the football there, because everything is built off the vertical, everything in Mike Leach's offense, you know, they have games where they don't throw very many vertical routes because defenses, you know, are trying to take it away or personnel stuff, but everything they do, the base of the offense is four vertical routes, you know, and figuring out how to read it. And then you, you, you read everything back down the field towards you from there. It's pretty cool. But, um, yeah. And, and, you know, the thing about it is though, if Leach calls Mullen, like five minutes of football. And then for probably 30 minutes after that, they'll be talking about Sasquatch, you know, or, or something. That's the way coach Leach is. I had coach Leach on my radio show. He is, he's just fantastic. Um, had him on the radio show a couple of weeks ago. And at some point in there, he started talking about, he's getting around to reading some books. He's always wanted to read. And then I told him I was doing some studying, reading a book on Lewis and Clark. And then he got really interested in that and started asking me questions. Uh, you know, during the course of the interview. So he's a, he's a neat guy, uh, but definitely he should reach out to Mullen because, you know, he's Mullen's going to have a real keen understanding for how you have to grind and overachieve and you have to out tough people at Mississippi state, which they did because you're not going to out talent people at state. Um, so yeah, if they haven't, they should talk. So I kind of want to go back just a little bit before I let you go. And look, we have drama here in the state of Florida. Florida, Florida State, Miami. Really? You have uh, a little drama there? A little bit of drama, a little bit of drama. <laughs> but I'm telling you, and I know I asked you about it earlier. I mean, what do you expect between Kiffin and Leach? Uh, have, have, have they talked? Have they, is there, have been, has there been behind-the-scenes conversation with those two? Are they friendly now? Do you envision it getting ugly just because <laughs> of what happens in that state? How do you see that going about? Well, number one, and I want you and everybody who listens to your podcast to lend me your ear and pay attention <laughs> as Ron Burgundy would say. <laughs> because number one, Mike and Lane are buddies. Okay. okay. They've known each other for a long time. The first head coach anywhere to tweet out congratulations to Mike Leach for getting the state job was Lane Kiffin. And so they have a history. They like each other. And they're both, you know, kind of different personalities. I think they respect that about each other. So that's the number one thing you have to understand. Number two, understand this, David. The, the angst in this rivalry has been so blown out of proportion by a lot of media, particularly media who aren't in this state. Okay. And I'm not one of these guys that goes, well, you ain't from around here and you don't <laughs> understand because you don't live here with us. And that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying that it is amazing to me how, you know, the people at ESPN and writers at other places around, they, you had the recruiting scandal, if you want to call it that. I mean, Ole Miss broke rules. Okay, they broke rules. Everybody breaks rules. They got caught. Yep. That's a fact. So it's not really a scandal of all that great proportions. Neither were the penalties, for that matter. Okay, so you had that. But then you had the pushing and shoving at the Egg Bowl uh, two years ago or whatever it was, all right, between the players. Well, here's the thing about that. These mushy-headed media writers go in here and call it a brawl. 
Well, and I'm looking at it going, well, you obviously have never seen a brawl. <laughs> I've seen some real ones. Yeah. I've been in some <laughs> real brawls, like where I wasn't wearing a helmet for protection. Do people remember or, Florida, Florida state in the nineties, <laughs> Florida, Florida state, man. Like there were people in the stands ducking because they didn't know, you know, you still know. I mean, South Carolina, Clemson, right? Yeah. They like throw some guy in jail. Cause he kicked a Clemson player in the head or something like that. Okay. Michigan, Ohio state. We got coaches punching out players 50 years ago. All right. <laughs> Yet this one's toxic because you had about 13 players, all in full pads, shoving each other. We're just pushing. I mean, but that's a brawl, David. That's a brawl, right? <laughs> it's a brawl. It's the dumbest. The the blowing the egg bowl, like toxic rivalry out of proportion thing, is the most lazy, blown out of proportion stuff. Okay, so a lot of that's not even real, is what I'm telling you. Okay, really, in this state. Um, and so I don't, I think, so since the reality of this rivalry doesn't actually match the perception that people have of it that's been portrayed, and you have coaches who genuinely like each other. <laughs> and I think on top of that, too, you have a couple of fan bases that for the most part are, are tired of the kind of the back and forth and are ready to just win. They just want to go win and play, you know, and they're happy to have their coaches. Look, there are a lot of – state fans who are excited that both Leach and Kiffin are here. Mm. There are a lot of Ole Miss fans that are genuinely excited. They got Kiffin, but like state's got Leach, man, it's going to be fun. So it's not going to be what people expect it to be a big, you know, back and forth and button heads all the time. It just won't be that way. All right. Last thought here, Matt, before I let you go, of course, uh, Kirk Herbstreet made big news last week when he kind of mentioned that he didn't envision basically seeing a, a college football season take place uh, this fall. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, I'm kind of in the vein that it may be without fans. It may be pushed back to October, November, January start. There's going to be a football season. I, I don't know yeah. how or when it takes place. It could be abbreviated. Are there shortened games? Do you only play division games and you play a championship game somehow, some way? I don't know. I know the TV contract is big. They make their money on it. They make their money on the sport. These universities do. Uh, I'm sure ESPN wants 12 games from each each school, <laughs> each school out there. Uh, sure. So uh, the, the, I, I'm just in the mind that just some way, somehow – and it may be in the year 2021, but there will be a 2020s, you know, per se football season. Right. I agree with you. There will be one. We don't know when. So, uh, so number one, I agree with you. There will be a season. Number two, it sounds like I agree with you. It won't be your typical season that we expect where you kick off on September the 1st and everybody plays and there's 65,000 in our stadium and there's 90 in yours that won't happen the first weekend of September. I'm confident of that. And the third thing I'm confident of is that unless between now and let's say October-ish, sometime soon, and it'd have to be sooner than that because of practice. So I'll back it up and say if, if sometime between now and July, Medical experts don't identify a legitimate treatment slash vaccine that is trusted, 
agreed upon. It's showing results. This is the way we're going to handle this thing. If that doesn't happen between now and, say, the end of July, then there's just no way that a football season is going to start with fans in the stands by September. I'm, I'm confident of that. So those three things I'm confident in. But the first one is we will have a season. So, you know, is it October, November, whenever these schools, if they have to kick off ball games in January, David, they're going to do it mm-hmm. because – yeah, there's a financial part of this. It is. Not just little schools. All the schools are funding. You know, every sport that right now is is satisfying Title IX, every one of them, where does their revenue come from? Football. Um, so they're going to kick it off at some point, I guarantee you that. It may be in the freezing cold in, in January, uh, you know, and we're sprinkling salt in the parking lot. So there's not ice in the parking lot at the stadium, you know, okay, <laughs> but we're going to play football. It's just, I'm pretty confident it won't be the typical season and it probably ain't starting when we think it should put it that way. Yep. Yep. I, yep. I agree with all that as well, Matt. I can't thank you enough for joining here, joining me here on Gators breakdown, given your thoughts on Dan Mullen, the Gators college football, just in general, always a great guest. I hope. And you know, just that conversation we had, I hope we see each other in July in Atlanta. <laughs> I wouldn't I count so. on it, but uh, you know, I, I hope to see your face live and in color in July in 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 Atlanta for SEC Media Days. Hey, I tell you what, if they let us out of the house by July, then I'll just come down there where you are. Okay. We'll we'll do a show together. We'll do our own media days, and you show me where to go fishing because okay. the biggest largemouth bass live in Florida. So that'll be our deal. How about that? I know the right people to, to, to send you to the right place. So we, 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 can, we can get that done. But uh, Good deal. All right, Matt. Uh, thanks so much. Yeah, my pleasure, David. Thank you. Matt Wyatt there. I can't enjoy, can't 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 thank him enough there uh, for, for joining me here uh, on Gators Breakdown. All great, great, great insight there that, uh, that only he could bring from his perspective out there in Mississippi uh, and his history with Dan Mullen all the way up to uh, the, the, his uh, Dan Mullen's tenure at Florida right now. So quick shout out here before I let uh, everybody go uh, here. Will Miles, my co-host, usually uh, joins me here, but uh, it's his son Hugh's eighth birthday. Uh, there so uh, on Thursday so I'm recording here on Tuesday uh, but happy birthday Hugh Miles and uh, we'll you know give him a big shout out give him a big happy birthday from Gators Breakdown Gator Dave and I uh, hope he hope he has a good one I know uh, can't do normal birthday parties <laughs> anymore so hopefully there's some solace out of uh, the little shout out here uh, on Gators Breakdown uh, so hopefully um, you know we'll be back next week uh, there I'll be Dealing with some personal issues this week. Hopefully all is well. I'll know more in a couple of few days. But send your thoughts uh, my way. Uh, and uh, hopefully uh, everything's okay uh, there. I'll update everybody uh, when I when I see fit. But uh, definitely could use your thoughts out there uh, right now as we go through this uh, tough time and uh, personal tough time as well uh, with everything going on. So that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.